Chucking It From The Cheap Seats is the newest podcast covering high school basketball. Head coach Josh Thompson interviews some of the most impactful people who make Hoosier hysteria great. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Subscribe to Chucking It From The Cheap Seats wherever you listen to your podcasts. Chucking It From The Cheap Seats is brought to you by Shootaway, offering products like 12K series guns, proven time and again by the nation's top schools and college coaches programs. For special pricing and discounts, contact Bruce Help at 317-767-5543 or go to shootaway.com. Okay, so today on the podcast, we uh, are very fortunate to have Coach Michael Lewis, the head coach at Ball State with us and and joining us. Coach, thanks so much for being on here on behalf of myself and and the kids in the Bari Media class. Well, I, I'm excited to, to see what we talk about today, cover the, the whole gamut of uh, of basketball. Well, we're going to cover the whole gamut of basketball, but we're going to talk mainly about your love for Vincennes Lincoln and that rivalry, <laughs> the <laughs> Jasper Lincoln rivalry. <laughs> no. uh, it's, uh, I tell you what, that's what, that's what makes high school sports, and, and really, like, even the rivalries in college, like, like the rivalries are, are kind of what makes um, sports, you know, so enjoyable, and to be able to play in that rivalry, like, um, well, it was a ton of fun, and 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 I like uh, I remember it. Uh, we got the best of Vincent's league, and so mm-hmm. that was a, a good a good memory for me. Absolutely, you know, I coached there for two years, and that was special for me. And and I think what was really nice about it is John and I have gotten to be really good friends. Coach Gable uh, there at Jasper, and um, just developing that friendship with him off the court. But man, uh, those games definitely were intense, and. I'll never forget uh, my first year there at Vincennes. We won on a last-second half-court shot. And, you know, our kids there at Vincennes, they they thought that was the, the greatest thing in the world, you know, beating Jasper and, and winning on a half-court shot. So to be a part of that rivalry for a short period of time was uh, unquestionably um, one of the best things I've ever experienced in sports. Well, uh, you know, and there's a lot of those rivalries in southern Indiana. You know, oh. Like, um, you know, like Ligoti, North Davies, Barbie, like all like – you know, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's what you see growing up. It's what you want to be a part of when you get the opportunity to be in high school and, and then to have that experience is, is uh, really cool. Yeah. You know, just to, to bounce off of that and you talk about the rivalries, I remember being an assistant coach for Steve Brett at Ligoti and uh, I came into, into the coach's office one night after we had played North Davies and um, I, I walk into the coach's office and there's Tate's lock. And Tate's had come down. Uh, I think he was a scout for the for the Trailblazers, and he was going. Uh, the Trailblazers were playing in Indy, and he was going someplace. I don't know if he was going to to Nashville or Memphis to check out a player and to scout a kid that was in college or what was going on. But he decided that he was going to stop in Lagodi, Indiana, and watch Lagodi and North Davies High School basketball game. And I thought, man, that just speaks volumes to how special basketball is in, in southern Indiana and throughout the entire state that, that a guy would take time out of his schedule like that. And now that I've moved around the country and big, been in different different spots, like what, what basketball is in, in Indiana is special. And wherever I've been, I always get asked, like, all right, like what – what's the deal with basketball? What was going on in Indiana? Like, tell us about it. Like, they want to hear about it. You mm-hmm. know, and um, it's, it's a, like, I, I think when you grow up in the state and, and you play, you know, uh, basketball in the state, you kind of take it for granted. But mm-hmm. like the, when you talk about the size of the crowd that you would, we would play in front of, um, the, the old school sectionals and regionals and, and just, you know, the how the, the communities 
um, supported their high school teams. Mm-hmm. Like, like people don't understand that in other parts of the country. Like they, they, they think you're lying to them, you know? And so you've got to, you've got to like now, thankfully you can pull up, you know, videos and pictures and things on, on the internet and be like, Yo, this is a high school game. This mm-hmm. is what a high school game looks like in Indiana. And, and they just, they can't wrap their heads around it. No. And I tell kids all the time that they don't understand how special it is because it's an average Friday or Saturday night for them. And that's what they've always grown up knowing. And you go to other parts of the country, and it's just not that way. Yeah, like we, you know, when I was at UCLA last year, we recruited a kid named Amari Bailey, who's, um, you know, he's one of the top five players in the country. He's going to be at UCLA for one year, and then he's going to be a first round draft pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you would go, and now the the place was packed that he was playing in, but it held about eight hundred to twelve hundred people. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was like if that kid is growing up in Indiana, like. You know, he, he's he's Damon Bailey. Like everybody's yeah. going to see him. Like you know, like you know, everywhere he's playing, it, it's sold out. Is you know, the, probably the most recent you know person that had that experience was Romeo Langford. Like mm-hmm. it would have been that on steroids. Like what you know, how good he was and what he meant to his school. But um, you know, there he's playing in front of eight hundred to a thousand people. Absolutely, yeah. It, Coach, um, you know, I just want you to touch a little bit on you know, you talk about how special Indiana high school basketball is. You grew up in Jasper. You graduated in 96, scored over 2,100 points, led the state in scoring. Uh, you were an Indiana All-Star, Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Indiana. But you have some great stories um, and, and om- that have almost become legend at, at the old sectional there. Just touch on those and uh, those moments and growing up and how special it was playing for the Jasper Wildcats. Well, it, it was um... – you know, I, I moved to Jasper when I was going in second grade. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I very early on in, in, in our move, um, I kept hearing about this guy named Mike Ballinger. Like mm-hmm. Mike Ballinger this, Mike Ballinger that. And, and Mike was an outstanding athlete, uh, went to play at Kentucky, and then transferred to, to Western Kentucky. But um, he was kind of like this, like, and, and I didn't meet Mike until I was a senior in high school. So, like, my whole time growing up, like, I was kind of like chasing this, mythical ghost of this Mike Ballinger character where I, you know, I, I've got to be able to do this and I've got to be able to win like this, uh-huh. you know, the, because I, I wanted to become, I wanted to be the best player at Jasper. Yeah. And so that's, as I was growing up, I was always kind of chasing this mythical figure. And, and, um, as I got into the junior high and, and, and high school kind of when I knew I could start, you know, that I was going to have the opportunity to play in, in, in college, but, you know, he was really the guy that, um, without even knowing him, I wanted to be better than, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, that's, that's kind of how I, I measured myself and got into high school as a freshman. I got to play with, uh, Scott Rowland, who obviously, um, of baseball fame and, and, um, probably, um, you know, I've, I've played with and against a lot of really good basketball players, uh, NBA players, Hall of Famers, you know, different, but Scott Rowland's probably the greatest athlete that I ever step foot on a on a basketball court with like mm-hmm. I just felt like you know he could he could you know you you want to play ping pong he's, he's great at ping pong like he's just one of those those dudes mm-hmm. um but you know when you got into high school and obviously once I committed to Indiana um our team's notoriety and, and when we would travel things um you know we were able to play in some really cool environments and big crowds and mm-hmm. um nothing was better than the South Earth section like Memorial Gym is my all-time favorite gym and like a lot of people like how can you not, not say assembly hall you know but yeah like or, or your high school gym but like that that was just a, a cool atmosphere to 
to go in there. We were the biggest school in the in the county. Um, everybody wanted to beat us. You were taking everybody's best shot. Um, and the stories of 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 those games are, um, you know, like you said, they've they've almost become like legendary. But like I think some of the coolest things in, in what basketball, going back to what basketball means in Southern Indiana, is, you know, you you used to have a season ticket to be able to get into a lottery mm-hmm. to be eligible for sectional tickets. You yeah. know, and so, you know, and then if you didn't get the if you didn't win your lottery and get a sectional ticket, you're trying to buy season tickets at Dubois or Forest Park where you could try to get like you wanted a sectional ticket. That's how big a deal it was. And um my dad tells a story when he was the athletic director at Jasper and they're they're over in Huntingburg and and these two guys could come walking up to the door and they've got each got an ice bag over their shoulder and they're like, Hey, you know, hey, we're here, the the concession stands are we're low on ice. We're told to bring ice in and uh-huh. the ticket people, Oh yeah, yeah, you know, rush them in there and and he said you he said you just never saw those people again and you walked in the bathroom, there are two bags of ice laying on the floor in the bathroom. <laughs> like <laughs> that's how bad they want you know, and then they're just in the gym, you know, yeah, like yeah. um but it you know, it it's it's those stories over and over and, and um, you know, we were we were lucky enough to, to win two sectionals my my junior and senior year and, and um you know, actually when you look back at that time there was a lot of um, you know, high level athletes you know, playing in some mm-hmm. of those games that went on and played in college. And then, um, you know, obviously with Roland going professionally and different things. But, um, you know, just a really cool time to grow up. And, and I think whenever you got a chance to represent a community like Jasper um, that cares so much about their, their high school sports and support it, um, both, you know, in Jasper and when you traveled on the road, um, you know, you, you just had a sense of pride about what you're, you know, are going, out, going about and what you're trying to achieve. For over 32 years, D1 Basketball has offered elite basketball camps and top-tier player development programs. Team camps, individual skills camps, and shooting camps can improve performance for you. Few Indiana basketball camps impact performance like D1 Basketball. Since 1989, annual enrollment in D1 Basketball has grown from 80 to 3,500 players, making it one of the largest individual basketball organizations in the Midwest. The mission of D1 Basketball is to help coaches and players maximize their performance. D1 Basketball Facts. D1 Basketball Camps are exclusively endorsed by the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. D1 Team Camps have hosted more high school sectional championship teams, Final Four teams, and Indiana All-Stars than any other camp shootout or summer tournament. D1 Team Camps provide the best chance for a school coach to work with all their teams in its top-tier competition from the South Now, Coach, you... Um you ended up there in 96 on the Indiana All-Star team. And I know Mike Broughton has done a lot of work um, here recently to try to build the uh, notoriety of the Indiana-Kentucky All-Star Series back to what it once was. And, you know, and we could go on and on about how that series has maybe lost a little bit of luster over the years. But let's just talk about 96. What was that experience like for you in 96 to be named to the Indiana All-Star team and um, be a part of that? it's a special honor i i think for me personally um at that time when i was 18 years old i I was disappointed i wasn't mr basketball yeah um and so you know i felt like you know i had i had done enough to to warrant that award Mm -hmm. um you know i played against the guys in my class throughout the summers and things and but um you know so there was although it was it was a great honor there was a a sense of disappointment for me Mm -hmm. personally um but when you, once you got into the practices, great group of guys. You know, we just, I think, 
uh, COVID kind of screwed it up, but, you know, two years ago we had the silver anniversary uh, celebration and, and um, you know, seeing, you know, I, I had, to, I was still in Los Angeles, but uh, was able to zoom in and, you know, see some of those guys and um, still, you know, not have been back here at Ball State, ran across a couple of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, those connections and those memories and, and to be able to represent um, the state uh, in the, in that series uh, was special, you know. And so, you know, once, you know, I kind of got over the disappointment of, of not being Mr. Basketball, um, you know, it's a great honor. Um, you know, I think people, you know, work their entire high school career to, to, to achieve being an Indian All-Star. I think it means a lot. Mm-hmm. Um to your school and your community and was, was excited to represent Jasper on that team. And, you know, we, we won in Kentucky and then lost uh, in, in Indianapolis. Um, you know, I think a lot of things with that Indian all-stars, like, you know, if Kentucky would be somewhat competitive anymore, it, it might gain some popularity again. Yeah. You know, I think Indiana's run off a, a, a ton of wins, but um, you know, just, just growing up being in a basketball and an athletic family, the way that I did, I knew the importance um, that, that the Indiana All-Star team held in the state, and, and I wanted to be one of those guys. And so mm-hmm. I think looking back on my, my high school career, it's, it's an accomplishment that I'm, I'm very proud of. You know, and, and Coach, your, your brother Brian is now Assistant Commissioner for uh, the IHSA. Your dad was Athletic Director there at Jasper. Your, your grandfather was once a commissioner. What was it like growing up, you know, in that family, um, where your dad was the AD, your your brother was obviously a very good athlete. What was that like as as a kid? Well, it was it was uh, I was very fortunate that I could get in the gym, mm-hmm. you know, when I wanted. Um, and and so you know, I, I think there was, you know, my my dad coached before he became an athletic director, and so, um, you know, when a lot of kids would get on the bus and and go home and you know, do what they do at home. I, I would get on the bus after school and, and I'd ride the bus to the high school and I'd get off and I'd go to basketball practice. Uh-huh. Um, you know, whether I was sitting there watching the high school team practice uh, or I'd take my ball and go upstairs in the gym and, and shoot hoops and do my own little workout or, you know, all that type of stuff. Um, I was just in the gym and around basketball at mm-hmm. all times. And, um, you know, I'd go scouting with my dad and, and um, keep the shot chart for him and, and all those things. But, um, just, I was always around athletics and I was always around competition. Mm-hmm. I think I learned the value, um, of competition early in, in my life. Um, and, and it provided me a, you know, a, a platform to, um, you know, become who I was not, uh, not only as a basketball player, but now later in, in life, um, becoming a coach. And, and I think, I think athletics is, is the single greatest teaching tool, um, that we have. Um, because you have to deal, um, you know, you have to be able to compete. You're going to compete the rest of your life, regardless mm-hmm. of whatever, you, you, whatever business or, you know, career that you get into. There's competition, and mm-hmm. you got to learn how to compete. Um, you also have to be able to deal with adversity. You know, I think that's getting harder and harder for kids to 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 deal with adversity. They they don't um, <clears throat> like it's okay to make a mistake. Yeah. Like it doesn't always have to be somebody else's fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think athletics, you know, you know, teaches that. And so I think I was better prepared for, um, you know, later on in life when, when life happens, mm-hmm. you know, when you're growing up a kid, like, you know, you're a kid, like, you don't, and then life happens, you know, and I think athletics has prepared me to be successful in life. 
Well, you know, I I always tell my wife this that there are some disadvantages to being a coach's kid or being an administrator's kid, but man, there are a lot of advantages. And like you said, you have access to the gym, and uh, there's just parts of things that you get to be uh, a huge part of as a kid that. I don't know that you fully appreciate until you get to our age, you know, where you look back and you say, man, I can't believe as a seven-year-old kid I was able to do that. So it's definitely special being a coach's kid. It's funny, like, I I deal with that now as an adult. Like, now that I'm the coach and not Mm -hmm. the kid, you know, I've got two daughters. One's a a freshman at Yorktown High School and the other one's a a sixth grader at Yorktown Middle School. Mm -hmm. And they just moved across the country, and and they've, they've moved. Uh, my oldest has moved from Eastern Illinois to, to Butler and then from Butler to Nebraska, Nebraska to LA. And now, <laughs> um, you know, she's moving here to, to, to Muncie and, you know, she's 14 years old and she's had that number of moves. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like she didn't, she didn't sign up for that. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But you know, there's also um, with the same, with all the negatives and, and, and having to, um, you know, meet new friends and adjust the new, um, you know, like, like, like Muncie, Indiana is very different from Los Angeles, mm-hmm. right? Which oh, is yeah. very different from Lincoln, Nebraska, right? Oh, yeah. You know, but, but, you know, like there's also like we, you know, you try to, to show them the positive, like this, like, you know, your ability to kind of get out your, outside yourself and you're, you're, you're much more comfortable in meeting new people and oh, being yeah. in a new environment and all those things Like you don't understand it right now, but it's going to help you in life. Like it's going to help you when you get over, you have to get up like she, you know, she's in a speech class mm-hmm. and she's very comfortable getting up in front of a group and giving a speech. You know, there, there's people, there's, there's kids in, on my basketball team right now that are terrified mm-hmm. to stand up in front of a group and, and a small group and speak. Now they shooting free throws in front of thousands of people. That doesn't bother them, but just <laughs> yeah. getting up and speaking. And, and so, um, you know, our, our kids, whether they've, they've enjoyed it or liked it, have been a, a exposed to a lot of different things mm-hmm. um, that, that my wife and I weren't exposed to growing up. You know, we just, we just lived in the melting pot of diversity of Los Angeles. Like I, I didn't, I didn't have that growing up. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't understand some of those things and, um, and they've already been exposed to that at a young age and, and understand it or are very comfortable in, in kind of who they're becoming uh, as young people. That is very different than how I grew up, even though I was a, um, a kid of a, of a coach, athletic director, and educator. So, um, like you said, there's a lot of good and bad to it, um, but you, you've just got to take each situation and try to grow and become the best that, that, that you can and, and learn those situations that you're put in. You know, Coach, we're going to go back to your playing career and talk a little bit about IU here in just a moment, but you kind of hit on some things that, that kind of want to – I want to go in a different direction for just a moment – one of the things that I hear and talk with coaches a lot about is just kind of finding some balance. You know, you and Nicole, you you have moved all over the place. Uh, you know, you talked about you've got a freshman in high school. you got a, a one in middle school. You're a Division One head coach. How, how do you find that balance as a father and a husband and then also a, a leader of the young men on your basketball team there at Ball State? Yeah, it's – it's um it's something honestly that I, I think I struggle with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think um you know, I I think when you're in the position that we're in as coaches and I, I don't really think it matters the level, um, you find your yourself many times spending a lot of time with other people's kids and your kids miss out. 
<clears throat> on on dad on dad being around or um, at their sporting events or you know what have you. And I think you've just got to try to do um, the best that you possibly can to make sure that you're when you are home that you're present. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's that's something that <clears throat> I I have to continue to get better at. Like I find myself. Um, you know, probably more so now that I'm a head coach because you you got so many different things on your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, that when I'm home, am I really present, or am I just sitting on the couch thinking about what I need to do for our basketball program that probably directly affects other people's kids? I'm, yeah. I'm worrying about them instead of you know being present with my kids. And so I think that's something that you just you've got to continue to work on. You got to continue to to grow uh, as an individual. Like I. You know, my, my daughter asked me to, you know, go outside and, and do something with her last night. And it probably wasn't the most convenient thing for me at that time, but I knew I had to do it. And so I, I popped up off the couch and, you know, the, those 30 minutes that I spent with her um, are much more valuable than me thinking about, you know, our practice plan that we we had this morning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so it's, 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 it's a struggle, but you, you have to do it. I think you also um, – I try to involve my kids and my family. Mm-hmm. in our in our program like they're going to be at games they're going to be around practice I like I, I want <clears throat> I want them around our program because mm-hmm. um, I, I want our players to see our staff interact with with our families our wives our kids I, I want them because they're coming from all different backgrounds and, and all kinds of different family dynamics and I want them to see us as other people other than just a basketball coach. I want them to see us as husbands. I want them to see us as fathers, um, and how we how we interact um, in those situations. Because I think then you can, um, you know, you can give them, you can reach them and touch them in different ways, um, as far as being a, a a mentor, so to speak, mm-hmm. than than just being just being their basketball coach. And so I, I want when our families involved in the program at the highest level, and it also uh, it also helps that I I've got a very understanding wife i think she's she's a great coach's wife she um you know we had the staff and their families over this past weekend um you know she's getting she's very comfortable in those type of situations she's comfortable in meeting in new people and and she runs the house and, and i don't i don't ever i don't overstep my bounds when it comes to things <laughs> at home and and she knows she knows like that i've got a i've got a job to do and we've got a really good understanding that probably wouldn't probably wouldn't work for everybody yeah. Um, but it but it works it works for us and and um, you know we've been married 20 years and and uh, so it, it's been great. But she she allows because of how good she is and how she she's raised the girls and handled the the home front. Um, it allows me to to do what I do and chase a dream. Well, and, and you hit the nail on the head so many different times there, Coach. I, I think that balance. And being a great husband and being a great father sometimes is way tougher than coaching basketball. Like I can come out here and talk to our guys about how we want to hedge a ball screen, but when it comes down to, you know, making tough decisions as a dad or a husband, that that's the hard job. That's the real hard job. And the thing I tell my assistants, especially my younger ones, uh, I've had some guys on staff that have had some uh, newborns here in the last year or so, and, and when I congratulate them and send them a text when they have those kids, I'm like, listen, there is no job that you will ever have that is going to be more important than being a dad. And so I, right. I think that's the tough one. Um, and then yeah. and the, and I think, I think, go, ahead. I, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say that the other thing is you, you talk about how, like, you know, your wife is such a good coach's wife and how the dynamic just wouldn't work for a lot of people. 
my wife and I, we joke all the time about how people probably look at us and be like, they're like, oh my gosh, they've moved three or four times. <laughs> Those people are nuts. And I'm like, we look at people right. that we think are nuts, you know, and, and so right. you, you kind of get that stigma. Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of people I, that look at our situations and think, geez, I couldn't imagine doing that. Yeah, and I also think that being a, being a parent can help you become a better coach. Amen. You know, because yeah. you, 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 you look at things different, like, you know, and, and um, you kind of look at the whole whole thing, the whole picture a little bit a little bit differently than, than you, you did, or at least I did before I had children. And then, you know, it's always nice to, you know, like I coach, I coach a collegiate basketball team. You know, I got, I got a bunch of alpha males here every day and, and I get to go home to, uh, you know, two, two beautiful girls. And it's, it's so, it's such a different dynamic. It's a kind of a good, good getaway for me as well. Yeah. Good break. Well, let's go back to your playing days. And obviously you finish up there at Jasper, you're on the Indian all-star team. You head to IU and you play for Coach Knight. What was that experience like playing for Coach Knight, playing in front of the Hoosier fans uh, for four years, and then ultimately becoming uh, IU's all-time assist leader? Yeah, it, you know, I think um, first of all, it was an unbelievable experience, um, one that I would um, I would do over again in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be sitting in the chair that I am today if I wouldn't have attended IU and played for, for coach Knight. I mm-hmm. think he, his, the demands and the accountability and how he pushed you and how he coached you, um, you know, has prepared me to, to be successful in life. And, and just my, my chosen career path has, has been to stay in basketball and coach. But uh, I think, you know, with, he, he did an outstanding job of using basketball um, to teach you the principles of how to be successful in whatever it is you chose to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gave you a very strong foundation uh, to be successful. And, and I think I've, I've relied on, on that uh, my entire adult life. Um, you know, playing, <clears throat> being from Indiana and playing at IU, and I've been asked that a, a lot since I've been back here at Ball State. Like, I think when you, when you play where I played, Mm-hmm. Uh, I committed to Indiana when I was a junior in high school, February of my junior year. Um, you know, your my your my life changed. Um, you know, you you kind of become adopted by the state. You know, you, not only are you going to play at Indiana, but you're you're one of you're one of us, right? Yeah. You're you're yeah. an Indiana kid, um, especially Southern Indiana. And so, you know, like my my life became much more important to other people, like what I was doing mm-hmm. and different things. And, um, you know, there, there was, um, you know, that adjustment period to getting used to that. Um, and there's a lot of good that comes from that. There's some negative, just like being a coach's kid. But um, I couldn't imagine playing in front of a more of a passionate fan base than what IU has. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that um, entire experience from playing for Coach Knight or playing in front of those fans at Assembly Hall and then, you know, all across the country, um, you know, I have a great deal of appreciation for what Indiana basketball is. Um, I have a very good appreciation and understanding of what it means to so many people. Um, and, and, you know, you, you hear people talk about now, like these athletes are owed this or owed, owed that, or they're exploited. Mm-hmm. Like I never, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I exploit Indiana university every, every day, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, move, moving around. <laughs> Um, you know, and I feel very fortunate to to be able 
to have worn that jersey. I think um, I've talked before. Like I, I'm not saying it, it meant more to me than anybody else that ever wore the jersey, but I can promise you that it it did mean more to somebody else than mm-hmm. it did me to to put that uniform on and, and to run out there and and uh, represent my home state uh, in the sport that that they care so much about. You know, and then you know from a from a player standpoint, like you, you talked about high school, like. Um, you know, I shot the ball. I shot the ball a ton. Yeah. In, in high school, and, that was something and, I was going to ask you about. It was you know your your role, how, how that completely right. changed from being a high school player and right. and being the man who, like we already talked about, was potentially robbed of Mister Basketball and being the state's leading scorer, and then you go to IU and now you're Mister Assist. Yeah, it. I, I think that my thing that I'm most proud of. Um, as a, as a player is, is my transformation from the player that I was in high school um, because that's what I needed to do to win mm-hmm. um, to the player that I became in college because that's what I needed to do to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a funny story, uh, and I've told it a lot, um, but it's like use the first or second practice of my freshman year of high school uh, or my freshman year of college, excuse yeah. me. Um, where Coach Knight pulled me over his side and he, he, you know, he puts his arm around me and he's, you know, he's like, Mike, do you, do you want to play a lot or a little? And you know, I'm a freshman at college. I'm like, oh, you know, I, I want to play a lot. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, then quit shooting me effing ball. <laughs> and like, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, like, I think now, like, I look back on that story as a coach now, like, you know, that, that kid would be in the transfer portal in five minutes. Oh know? my, but, yes. You know, but I, I just. I just sit there and like, you know, in my mind, I'm sure I was thinking like, that's, that's what I do. That's, yeah, I, yeah. I get buckets, you know? And, but he, he said, you know, like, Hey, like Andre Patterson's in, he can score. Um, you know, we got Neil Reed here, Neil, you know, Neil can, Neil can score at uh-huh. this level. Like, I think, I think AJ Guyton, who was a freshman with me, he's like, I think Guyton's going to develop into a really good, really good score. And he goes, he goes, so if you want to shoot the ball, you'll sit next to me. But what I, what I need is I need a, I need a leader. I need a tough, you know, I need the toughest guy on the floor. I need a guy that can get us in the offense. I need a guy that can be my voice on the floor and in the mm-hmm. locker room, you know, and if you can do those things, then you'll play as much as you want for the next four years. But yeah. if you want to shoot the ball, then you're going to sit next to me. <laughs> and so that made the decision changed. easy. Right. Yeah. It's easy. <laughs> like I want to play. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it allowed me like from a coaching standpoint, like I, I think Coach saw something in me that maybe I didn't even see in myself as far as um, some leadership abilities and, and different things. Um, and then you know I wasn't I was a stubborn player, but I wasn't stubborn enough not to try to be become the player that he felt like I could be and help our team win. Um, and so that's that's something that I was very proud of to to you know be be one of the top scorers in the state of Indiana, and then you know four years later. Um, walk out of IU as the all-time assistant. Yeah. Well, and that's got to help you too as a coach because you recruit all these guys that when they're playing for their high school, they're the big dog. And then they've got to come play for you, and you've got to gel all these guys together, and it's got to be about what we can do and not what, you know, they can do individually. And so that's got to help you as a coach. Yeah, I, I think that whole transformation, is, is you know, it, it forced me to see the game different. Um, you know, my, my perception of team, uh, all those, all those things Mm -hmm. are, you know, you you just, you look at it from a, uh, through a different lens. And, and uh, so I don't think there's, there's any doubt that that has helped me uh, in my coaching career. I've told that story 
in recruiting. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've, I've told it, I've shared it, um, with, with our, with our guys and, um, because it's, it's, it's different now, you know, like, like I said, these guys would be in the transfer portal and in a heartbeat, but I, I knew, um, you know, that really never entered my mind. I knew I wanted to play in Indiana. I had an opportunity to play at IU for Bob Knight. Like, like if you wanted me to sweep the floor before every practice, I was going to do that. Like, I didn't care. Right. <laughs> Whatever but, you needed um, to do to get on the floor. Yeah. Chucking it from the cheap seats is also brought to you by BSN Sports and Jeff Neal, their sales rep. Shop BSN Sports for a large selection of sports apparel and footwear, custom and stock Nike team uniforms, and sports equipment for your next winning season. Contact Jeff Neal at 812-204-3808 or visit BSNSports.com. You know, I just, I just looked at looked at things differently, and, and times were different as well, too. So, you know, um, But there's no no doubt my experience at IU has allowed me to to have the coaching career that I have and now the opportunity to lead my own program here at Ball State. You know, Coach, you talked about being stubborn. Before we move on to your coaching career, I have to ask you about the story where maybe you were a little bit stubborn on the sidelines and, and you got into it with Bob Knight. And I, I think when, when people think about you as a player at IU, that automatically comes into their mind. And I don't necessarily think that it's in a negative way. I just think that it, it's Coach Knight's personality, your personality, and I know both of you were fine after that, but just describe for our listeners what happened in that moment. And I know that you well, still it, think you're right. <laughs> I know I was right. No, um, and everybody that was in a walkthrough that day knows I was right. But um, you know, I, I think that I think you know, it, it was just you know, it's a it's a heat of the moment thing. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, we we had walked we had walked to an action that Michigan had ran, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I was I was told to do it a certain way, and um, I felt like I did it the way that I was told, and mm-hmm. um, you know, unfortunately that. A teammate of mine got beat on the drive, and I got my back turned to ball, which was like a major no-no in our in our defensive system. And and um, you know, so he pointed that out, and I pointed out what I what I felt <laughs> like I was told earlier that day. And and uh, you know, we we went we went on, and and the you know the thing, and this is what people don't understand about coaches, like that became a big story, like a national story. It's still played, you know, like when I got this job, people got the video. Oh out yeah. And stuff. And, um, but from a coaching standpoint, um, you know, he took me out mm-hmm. and he set me down. I was out for, I think less than a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he was just talking, talking to me, you yeah. know, he, he wanted to get me back in a, in, in the right. And like, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge ordeal to him, or was it me? Mm-hmm. In my opinion, yeah. Um, we went on and played, and most important thing, we went on and won the game, mm-hmm. which was a huge game for us at that point in our season. Um, and then him and I really never spoke about it again. Yeah. Now, what it did in my mind, and and I don't I don't know if if he would feel the same way, but I felt like our relationship really grew from from that point on. Mm-hmm. I felt like um, his trust in me as a player um, grew. I felt like my trust in him as a, as a coach really grew, mm-hmm. um, you know, because when you go through that, like, like, well, all right, what's going to happen? Like, you know, like, and he, it, it wasn't, you know, like, you know, somebody that who, that wasn't coach Knight, like maybe their, their ego could have taken off. Like he could have kicked me off the team. He probably could have had every right to kick me off the team, you know, mm-hmm. what, whatever, like I could have become more of an issue. Like, but it, it's it, how he handled it, and like I said, like we just we didn't talk about it. We moved on, and I I felt like 
um, our relationship grew uh, immensely from that point on. And, and um, you know, then obviously when I had the chance to work for him as a grad assistant, uh, you, you see a completely different side of him because like when you're a player, you show up to practice, you show up to games, you're very self-absorbed in what's going like, or am I playing well? Am I, you know, am I getting to play and doing these things? You know, are we winning? Where when I became a grad assistant for him, I got to see him work every day mm-hmm. outside of practice. Yeah. And that's the things that you don't see when you're a player. You, mm-hmm. you see all the preparation, the amount of preparation and detail that he put into planning a practice or planning a shoot around. Mm-hmm. Um, not just the scouting report for the game, um, but how he put his staff together, how he um, divvied up responsibilities in his staff, the, the different attributes that he wanted in his staff members and 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 all those things. Like when you got to see that on a day-to-day basis, when I was once I became a GA, um, you, you gained a whole different um, type of appreciation for the type of coach that he was and the success that he had mm-hmm. uh, than just when you were a player in the day-to-day of, of going and, and being a Hoosier. You know, to, to that point, Coach, do you find yourself as a head coach now, um, well, and, and also as an assistant, because this is this year will be your first year as a head coach, do you find yourself sometimes being harder on your point guard than, than other guys on the, on the team? I, I know that I do. I think a lot of that is because I look at the point guard being – an extension of myself out there on the floor, being the coach out there on the floor. Um, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of coaches say this before, you know, there, there's two people that can never have a bad practice. One of them is a coach and yeah. one of them is a point guard. So do you, do you find yourself right. being a little tougher on point guards? You know, I, 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 I think I have as an assistant, especially because mm-hmm. uh, um, my main position group that I've always kind of worked with were guards. So I was directly responsible for, for point guards and and um, you know what you just said, I said to Tiger Campbell at UCLA, you know every other week, like yo man, like there's two dudes in this program that cannot have a bad day, all right? It's that little dude over there being Coach Cronin, and it's you. Like you two guys can't have a bad day. Like you know these other guys like Johnny Juzang can have an off day. You know Jaime Hawkins can have an off day. Like you and him, they can't. You guys can't have off days. You yeah. know and I, and um, you know whether I will be like that as as a head coach, uh, I think is yet to be seen. I would anticipate myself, yes, um, just because I, you know, I played the position. I, I understand it better than the other positions. I know the importance. I look at it, you know, as an equivalency to, you know, the quarterback on the football team. Yes. You know, you you've got to be my voice. Like you, you're going to be in in places where I can't be with the other guys, and we got to make sure the same message is getting delivered that I that I need delivered. Uh, and it can come in a, a different way, but the message has got to be the same. Um, you know, and, and um, you know, I, I think there's there's a what you said. I think there's a lot of truth to that. And um, you know, I, I I would anticipate myself being a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. You know, on on the point guard. Um, I just can't answer that accurately yeah. yet because yeah. I don't know. But um, I can tell early on. Um, you know that the how I feel about the importance of that position. Uh, I could see that playing out that way. Coach, uh, after finishing up your career there at IU, you played two years professionally. Uh, just talk a little bit about what that was like and how different that is playing overseas. Yeah, that was just an experience. I, I tell you, it was, um, you know, you, you fly over and you get off and it's, you know, you, you've got a immediate language barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it was 
it was a really neat experience for me um, at a young age. Now, um, you know, I was over there and <clears throat> I got off the plane in Germany. Uh, the coach was there, picked me up. We went right to practice and I broke my hand. Um, oh, wow. And I was sent home and I, and I played in the CBA that year, which, you know, was a lot more comfortable for me, um, you know, being in yeah. the you know, in the United States, I played for the Fort Wayne Fury and the CBA is, is now what the G league is. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was just called something else and they were, you know, different ownership, but the, the NBA eventually bought up the, the CBA and now that's, that is what, you know, we know the G league to be today. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that was a good experience. I, and, and I knew early on, like, here's, here's another good coach. My stories went by when I told him I wanted to coach. Like, when I was a senior in college, I got invited to the Portsmouth camp, which was a pre-draft, camp, uh, pre-draft thing similar to what they have in Chicago now. Mm-hmm. And when he gave me my invite, you know, he, he was like, hey, this is a really good accomplishment for you. Um, you know, you're going to get an opportunity to play in front of all these people, blah, blah, blah. Um, but what do you really want to do? Uh, which was his way, a nice way of him saying, like, all right, listen, man, you're not a pro. Like, what do you, what do you want to become, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and I, you know, that's when I told him the first time I told him that, that I wanted to coach and, and he had a, he had an unbelievable reaction, which is a whole nother story. But, um, so I knew, you know, I, I wanted to play until I wasn't ready to give it up when I graduated college. Yeah. Um, but I also knew I wasn't an NBA player. Like uh-huh. I had a pretty realistic idea of who I was as a player. Um, and but it so went over there and broke a hand, played in the CBA that year, went back over to, to Belgium, um, had a had a what I felt like was a pretty good contract for a team in the age Belgium. Um, and ended up playing in the game. I felt like I played well. Uh, the team I guess didn't think I played quite as well because they called me <laughs> called me in afterwards and um, you know, released me from mm-hmm. my contract. And so, you know, it, it's a strange thing when you're sitting at a conference table and the coach and the owner and the general manager of the team are speaking um, in French. And then they turn and look to you and speak to you in English. And then they go back to speaking in French. Like things aren't really going well at yeah, that time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I can <laughs> so, only imagine. Uh, yeah. So they, you know, they, they kind of float a, a plane ticket to me and, and uh, an envelope uh, with at that time, Belgium Franks in it. And, and I was just like, that's a, you know, a little light, you know? And so, they were like, well, that's our settlement, which, you know, you, how are you going to fight a Belgian team in a Belgian court? Like, this is probably not going to go well. So, yeah. you know, oh, I yeah. jumped on a plane the next day, landed in the United States. I landed in the United States on September 8th or 9th, and September 11th happened. Oh, wow. That So, so that so, was the timing you know, of it, all that. That's crazy. That, that was, yeah, that was the timing. Um, and so, you know, things, things always work out for a reason, uh-huh. in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I'm not, you know, a huge believer in fate, but, like, you know, I, I do think things happen for reasons. Yeah. And, and I was able to to get back to Indiana. My my brother was a senior in high school at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't really got to watch him play yeah. as an athlete. Yeah. Um, because of the things that I was doing, and so I was able to watch him. Um, you know, play his entire entire senior year of high school. Played, you know, they won a state championship in football. That's pretty cool. Some state and and basketball, and I and I got to watch that. And yeah. I hadn't, like I said, I hadn't got to watch him play. Um, you know, really up until that point, and and uh, it was that next summer where Nicole and I got married, and then I uh, we moved down to Lubbock where I became a, a grad assistant for for Coach Knight at Texas Tech. So um, all those things I, I believe have led me to you know being the head coach here at Ball State, and so everybody's got a different path, mm-hmm. right? 
Yeah. And you never never know how it gets there, and everybody's in a in, in a, a big rush to get to the end point. And and uh, you know my journey's been been a little bit different, but but one that's been uh, very rewarding, and one that I think and I hope has prepared me for for the job that I have at hand. You know, coach, you just you just gave me a great segue there because you talk about so many times people are in a big rush to become a head coach. And you spent 18 years as an assistant coach. You spent two years as a pro. And all those experiences, as you said, kind of led you to where you're at right now. Were there times over the last 18 to 20 years where you just kind of wondered, is my break going to happen? I know there were times, you know, maybe where you had some down years at Eastern Illinois. I know you went through a tough time there at Nebraska. Um, were there times where you think it, where you were thinking, man, my, my break's just not going to happen? Well, I mean, I, I'm sure there, there were times, none that really stand out, but uh -huh. I'm sure there were some times, you know, like, okay, like, um, but I, I would always remind myself, like, like Coach Knight, you know, told me when I, when I wanted to, when I first told him I wanted to get into coaching, um, you know, he, he said two things. He said, one, would you rather be well-liked or well-respected? And, and um, you know, I told him well-respected. He said, well, good, then you can coach because you're going you're gonna to have to make some tough decisions. Yeah. Not every decision that you make is going to be the correct one. You're going to uh -huh. have to live with it and learn from it and own it. Um, you know, and, and we, had, we had a great talk about it. And then he said, second, <clears throat> he said, just do your job. Mm -hmm. Like, don't worry about anything. Else. Whatever your job is, your job sweeping the floor, you know, be the best damn floor sweeper in the country. And, and it will lead, your work will then lead to the next step. And then just be great at that. And then, and, and honestly, like that's kind of how my career has played out. Um, you know, was there times when you're at spots and guys are getting jobs or better assistant jobs or moving up the ladder quicker or what, whatever, like mm -hmm. that you're like, what is going on? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody goes through that. But I immediately, when that thought came into my head, like I just, I would remember, you know, what coach told me and mm -hmm. just put my head down and, and did my work and like, hey, listen, it's going to, it's going to speak for itself and, you know, it'll happen. And Eastern Illinois was a tough job. Yeah. Um, you know, it's still, it's still, a, it's still a tough job. And, you know, we, we were, we built a program where we, I think we had at the time the third best year in school history while, mm -hmm. while I was there. And, and um, you know, people in the industry understand and understand those things. And so I was hired by Porter Moser at, at the university of Loyola in there in Chicago. When he first got that job, I was there for three weeks. Um, before Brad Stevens called and, and asked me to come to Butler. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that was a huge break in my career was, was you know, getting attached to, to that and, and having the success that we had at, at Butler through three different conferences, the Horizon League, the A-10, and then the Big East. Because mm -hmm. um, you were at Butler for five then, years, right? I was at Butler for five years, yeah. We mm -hmm. went to three NCAA tournaments, um, you know, and, and kind of, you know, had that transition all the way, you know, to the Big East and, um you know, that led to an opportunity at Nebraska and, and, uh, you know, our final two years, we were, I was at Nebraska for three years. And even though coach miles got let go at the end of my third year, the last two years that I was there was the best two year stretch since like the early eighties. Yeah. And, you know, so, and again, so like, you know, people, people take notice of that. And, and that's when, um, Mick Cronin called and, and he had just gotten a job at UCLA and invited me to, to be a part of that. And, and, um, I mean, what a ride that was in oh, three yeah. years. You know, yeah, kinda, you, you know, got to into that. And, you you know, got to you go, go to the Final Four, four yeah. Sixteen, mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, you know, I, I feel very fortunate to um, that my path is, is what it has been. Uh, I think, 
you know, it, it makes me appreciate where I am more than if, if I'd have taken a, a different path, you know, but I, I feel like I've coached at every level of college basketball, um, from low major to the blue blood and going to a final four at UCLA to now being a head coach at a mid-major school, um, here, here at Ball State. And, and, um, you know, I, I think those, those steps, um, not only prepared me, um, but like I said, uh, makes me appreciate where I'm at. Uh, and each move that I make was not, was not just like, hey, like we're going to, you know, I wasn't just throwing a dart at a map and, like, hey, we're going to go here. Like uh-huh. I, was, I tried to make sure that I was going somewhere where I was working with not only a really good coach and one that I respected at a high level, but a, a really good person yeah. um, who was a little bit different than everybody else that I had worked for. And so I feel like I have a really solid foundation um, from a coaching standpoint because of all the great people that I've, I've worked for. I mean, whether, you know, I worked for Mike Miller at Eastern Illinois, who was an interim coach for the New York Knicks, mm-hmm. right? I worked, I, you know, Loyola uh, with Porter Moser, who's now at, at, at Oklahoma, and it was only three weeks, but, um, you know, I, I learned a lot in those three weeks, and the way he handled my situation going to Butler, um, I will forever be indebted to him. So it, he, he's at Oklahoma. So then you go and you work for Brad Stevens, and everybody knows about Brad Stevens, yeah. right? And then Chris Holtman, who's now at Ohio State, and then mm-hmm. you know Tim Miles at Nebraska, to Mick Cronin. Like, um, I've I've worked for some really really good coaches and even better people, and so Absolutely. I feel like that's given me the background to, you know, hopefully, um, you know, build a program here at, at Ball State that that not only Ball State can be proud of, but the state of Indiana can be proud of as well. Well, and, and I don't know you extremely well, Coach, but the, one of the things I told you when I reached out to you about being on this podcast that I, that I think is one of the reasons why I'm such a big fan of yours is you, you did not take the easy route. You know, you, uh, you worked your tail off for 18 years, and like you said, you attached yourself to some really good people because you knew that's what you had to do to put yourself in this position. And now you're the head coach at Ball State. So just talk to us about – that transition and, you know, some of the things that you've got going on uh, with the team and, and what that's been like now becoming a head coach at a program there in Muncie. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the opportunity. I'm, I'm excited not only uh, for the opportunity to lead a program, but to lead a program like Ball State. Uh, I work for uh, an athletic director uh, that I believe is one of the best in the country, one that I, I met while I was an assistant coach at Butler. I work for a president who is a former athlete that understands mm-hmm. the importance of, of athletics and appreciates athletics in the university setting. And he understands, like, you know, what a successful basketball program in this state can mean to this university. And it would allow him to achieve his goals with the university quicker, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, as far as, you know, like, you know, you, you, you take Ball State to an NCAA tournament, like, you know, the, the type of the enrollments up, donations are up, like all the things that, that you need to achieve the things that he wants to on campus Absolutely. happen much quicker, you know. Um, and then for, you know, me personally being back in the state, like just being back and, um, you know, around whether I think the high school coaching is, is fantastic in the state. I think the, the AU coaches and the directors in the state are very good. I think they're in it for the right reasons. Um, you know, I think you, you're getting a, uh, a different player um, when they grow up in this state of a different understanding of, of, of basketball and appreciation mm-hmm. for, for basketball. Um, and then it's just a, a place that I'm familiar with. Like, 
I, I loved being at, at UCLA. It was an unbelievable experience for my family and I um, to walk in Pollock Pavilion and work under 11 national championship banners. Like, that's really cool. Yeah. But a dude, but a dude that grew up in in Jasper, Indiana, like he kind of stands out in in the <laughs> you know the streets of Hollywood, you know. So um, it is, you know, all those things. It's it's uh, it's it's good to be back home. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, Muncie, Ball State, and, and like I really the entire state of Indiana has been very very welcoming to us being back here. I think there's a Re- renewed sense of excitement uh-huh. around our program yeah. um, here in Muncie and on campus and in the state, uh, and and a lot of people are excited. And, and I just continue to say, I hope they're as excited about us being here three or four years from now as they they are right now. But um, <laughs> we've got a pretty good group of guys um, that uh, they want to be good, they want to win. We it's our job to to teach them uh, how to do just that. Yeah. Now I I haven't had a chance to look at your schedule, um, but. What are some of the big ticket games that you're excited about? And you know the kids are excited about uh, playing here in the preseason. I believe, um, like some of the games on our schedule, like I inherited you mm-hmm. know, that are yeah. you know, from a, a previous contract. And scheduling is a very, um, it's a different dynamic, you know, at the college level. And there's just so many things that go into it that a lot of people don't understand. But um, you know, I believe I want to restore the, the in-state rivalry. So, you know, we're playing in Indiana State. We've mm-hmm. got a contract with them for the future. Um, we're going to play University of Evansville. They're coming up here to start start a series that will continue to um, with them. Um, you know, I'm sure our guys and our fans and alumni are excited. We got uh, a three-game tournament um, in the Bahamas. Uh, That's the really Bahamar cool. Hoops Championship. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we'll get to go down there and, and spend a few days uh, in the Bahamas in late November over Thanksgiving, which is a great time to get out of the Midwest and, and go see some sunshine. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think a, a really cool thing that we have um, is we're going to take our team to Indianapolis. And Indianapolis, um, uh, that is where the, the largest number of, of Ball State alumni live, mm-hmm. is in the Indianapolis area. And mm-hmm. we're going to play. Uh, we're part of a, a thing on a Saturday afternoon at Gambridge Field House where the Pacers play. Um, where we'll, uh, Ball State will play Illinois State, and then Purdue is playing Davidson uh, right after us. And so I think that's going to be a really cool mm-hmm. um, event on a, on Saturday afternoon uh, right before Christmas on December 17th. Okay, and, so that's in December. Um, yeah, December 17th. Yeah, Saturday, December 17th. It's kind of taking the place. Uh, it's kind of on a similar date of, of that Hoosier or the Crossroads Classic or whatever that, you know, was called, you know, mm-hmm. the – with the four in-state schools. And so uh, they had an open date now, and we were able to jump in there with, with Purdue, and, and both of us have a – you put yourself in position to win three games in three days in March, and, and that's and that's what goes down in the MAC tournament uh, in Cleveland. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think you use each one of those opportunities leading up to that to have yourself best prepared um, to try to go win three games in three days. Which is not an easy task to do. Well, no, not at all. And there's, 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 you know, obviously you're, you know, the excitement around that time of year and everything going on. But um, that's what I think every college basketball player uh, should get the opportunity to experience. And we got to put ourselves in the position to do just that. Absolutely. You know, I've got a, a player playing for uh, Coach Davenport down at Bellarmine, and that's one of the yeah. things that Kurt and I talk about a lot is about these opportunities that you get in the preseason. Um, you know, like they're, 
they played you guys last year. You, you know, yeah, he, he was on the team last year, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, he was on that yeah. team, and yeah. uh, you know, he started against you guys. Yeah, so they went to Vegas. Yeah, yeah they went yeah. to Vegas, and he got played against UCLA. Like, yeah, like you, like you look at that, like you know, where where he grew up, and now he's in Las Vegas playing against UCLA <laughs> on yeah, national television. Exactly. Like, how cool is that? Oh yeah, you know, and, and those are those are the experiences that you know I gotta have. Um, you know, as a player and like, mm-hmm. you know, even like I'm sitting on my, my living room couch last night watching um, this little league world series with Hagerstown playing. Yeah. Like you got a bunch of 12 year olds from Hagerstown playing on the biggest stage, you know, that they can possibly be on and the way they're representing themselves. Like that is so cool, you know, because like, just like your kid, like, like he, he, he'd play out on the playground. Like these kids, they'd play, they'd play pickup baseball out on, on the diamond or wiffle ball, whatever. Like the same thing I would have done as a kid and then get the, get the opportunity and the experiences that you get to have um through athletics like coolest thing going my oh, opinion absolutely well coach we're, we're running down on our time limit here uh for the podcast and i could sit and talk hoops with you all day but we finish up with we finish up with a speed round here and the, the kids have got some questions for you i've got some questions for you um so just shoot off the hip here and answer these and Right. And we'll finish up. So I'm going to offer you free tickets to anything. What are you getting tickets to? Free tickets to anything. Bruce Springsteen, John Mellencamp, Cubs. Where are you going? You know what? I just I just turned down Chris Stapleton tickets, and I'm regretting it every day. <laughs> so you'd want but to- maybe a Super Bowl. Maybe a Super Bowl just to, to say you went to a Super Bowl. Okay, now let's really get down to this, Coach. Super Bowl, Chris Stapleton. I like Chris Stapleton too, but I'm going to a Super Bowl every day. Yeah, every, there you go. Every, there you go. Anytime somebody gives me free tickets to the Super Bowl. Um, you you talk about how Nicole runs the house, how she keeps everything in line. What's your least favorite thing to do that you get asked to do as far as a household chore? Ooh, she kind of runs that. So I, there's, I got to – I'm embarrassed to admit I don't do much, but I would I would say say laundry, and it's not so much the laundry part; it's the folding of the laundry. Yeah. So like when I when I got this job and I was here uh, three months by myself, like it wasn't putting it in the washer or dryer; it was it was folding the laundry. I I uh, despise that. Just despise that. Okay, so when you finally get just a moment to relax, what what is your stress reliever? Do you like to go? fish you know like coach Knight and, and hunt what, what do you, what I, do you I, like uh, to do i golf and barbecue golf i've got and a barbecue. big green egg that i like to like the barbecue and, and i like to get out and, and golf absolutely well that, those are those are two good ones there um what is a, a a book a podcast an email that you could advise coaches that they need to check out that that's something that's really good that you've taken something from maybe not on a daily basis but but something that's good yeah, the, I, I read a book, um, Grit. It's called Grit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that is, is something that's really good that I took a lot from. When you, uh, when you have kids in the gym and you're working on your player development with your guys, what's your favorite skill to work on those guys with? You can never pass – or I'm sorry, you can never dribble or shoot it well enough. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like even, you know, Steph Curry, it, 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 you can never pass or, or dribble or shoot it well enough. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think those are the two things that, that, that you've got to continue to work on. You've worked for a ton of great college coaches, and usually we ask this question of high school coaches, you know, what college coach are you going to go to? Okay, so you cannot answer this question with anybody that you've worked for. But if you're, you're going to go soak in a practice, 
whether that's an NBA coach, uh, a player development guy, another college coach, where are you going? Uh, you know, it, it's funny that um, Tom Ezzo reached out and, mm-hmm. and said, hey, come up here anytime and, and um, you know, we, we can talk hoops. And so that's something I got to take him up on. So I think um, other than somebody that I've worked for that, you know, obviously I can I can pick up the phone and call. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think I, right now I'd go I'd go watch Coach Ezzo. Practice. Yeah, he, he's one of, the, one of the best in the business. And the last question, Coach, you, you've been able to settle in there at Muncie just a little bit. Um, and, and you've got a free night, and you're going to take Nicole out to eat. Where are you going? I'm going to order Pizza King in. <laughs> <laughs> Big spender. <laughs> yeah, Pizza King in. You know, uh, no, there's, there's, I've, trust me, I, I lived here, like I said, alone for three months. I've tried every restaurant in, uh, in town uh-huh. uh, multiple times. And so now, now that my family's here, they're wanting to go out, and I'm like, let's just order in. Just so, order in. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I kind of like just, just hanging out. Uh, at the house and, and minding my own business. So yeah. when I have a free moment that I can do that, that's that's what I like to do. That's great. Well, Coach, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be with us uh, to do this for not just myself but for the kids in our media class. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best of luck there at Muncie. Um, and so good luck to you and the Cardinals this year and the best to your family. Uh, we'll be rooting for you. Well, I appreciate it. And tell, tell the guys that when they edit this, make me sound smart. <laughs> That's not going to be hard, Coach. I, I really appreciate you. And, and, again, best of luck. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks.